Strike Zone. ABC Grandstand's baseball show. Massive week in Australian baseball. We've got a lot of it to cover here on Strike Zone. My name is Chris Coleman. You can find me on Twitter at CJCAU. Uh, the Aces have finally named their new manager. His name and details to be revealed in about 10 minutes here on Strike Zone. Warwick Petherbridge with us. Hello, Warwick. Hello, Chris. The amalgamation between the Adelaide Bite and Baseball South Australia continues. We talked to Nathan Davidson. And uh, the story with probably the biggest league-wide impact is the confirmation of the long-rumoured and long-awaited Australian player draft. We'll have the details on that with Ben Foster here on Strike Zone on ABC Grandstand Digital right now. Hi, Ben. Hi, Chris. I was. How are you guys? We Very are well. well, mate. We are well. It's finally going to happen on August 14, the 2014 Australian player draft. How's it going to work? Look, Chris, yeah, we're very excited about it. It's, it's something, as you uh, as you alluded to at the top there, it's been rumoured and, and planned for uh, for quite a long time now. Um, we've been talking about it, you know, as far back as, or well, longer than 12 months ago now, that we were, we were uh, you know, talking about a way that, that we can best serve both the teams and, and more importantly, the players in terms of, in terms of their needs and, and getting as many young, talented Australian players active in the ABL as possible. And so what we've come up with is... is what we hope to be a, um, a pretty fair and equitable system to allow you know, teams to both um, protect and nurture their local homegrown stars, but also the ability to recruit from interstate if they, uh, if they you know, need to fill some gaps. And, and you know, as we've seen in recent years, what we've got is that with the you know, stars like Travis Blackley and Trent Holchin and Brad Harmon and Justin Huber and these sort of other Australian players who've played in the major leagues, played on national teams... You know, have a wealth of international experience behind them. Um, as they're coming back into the fold and becoming ABL regulars, uh, what it does is it creates, uh, I guess, pockets of player depth where you know some of the younger players may not get an opportunity that they might otherwise have. So, look, we're, we're pretty excited about it and, and some of it will remain to be seen in terms of how many players register and, and, and what calibre of players register. But you know, between the players that we know may have been forced out of ABL rosters previously between the college players who, you know, might have been away and out of the country for a number of years um, and even even some lapsed professionals who might think, well, this is my shot to, to come back into the fold. You know, we're, we're, we're pretty excited about the type of players that we might see. Is there a limit to the number of players that each club can protect, Ben? Theoretically, there is. Um, it's 22. Um, and what we've done is that um, similar to, you know, because, because we didn't want to have a system where players, you know, and... and um, the clubs with with far greater depth were just protecting players to to essentially shield them or or prevent them from going to other clubs. Uh, or the rule with the wins that implemented it, any any player who's protected by a team has to be placed on their active roster, and so that you know in itself, in theory, limits you to 22 players to protect in, in total um, would be the theoretical maximum. But of course, that would mean you have to play every one of those players every week. So we we expect it will be less than that, which means that um, you know any Australian player who isn't protected. Um, shouldn't feel like they're necessarily unwanted or, or aren't going to get a run with their current or former ABL club. It just simply means that I think clubs, you know, and, and some of this will, will be playing out, I think some clubs will choose to protect far fewer players than they may actually end up signing to play for them at the end of the day. You know, that will come out in the wash. You know, I've been on the phone most of the day today with club uh, baseball operations managers and, 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 and managers talking about how they're looking to assemble their, their, their protected player list. And so we'll... we'll We'll see that um, as they as they come in towards the um, towards the protection deadline on Friday. 
Okay, and uh, obviously lots for us to talk about next week about that then as we see who the, some of those protected players are. And will that be publicly available uh, quickly, that protected players list? Look, it, it, it will be available. Um, how quickly it's available, I'm sure, because we have to do some checks. Um, there's some checks and balances that have to go once those, once those lists are submitted. Um, we have to you know, ensure that all the contracts that accompany those, those protections um, have been filed correctly and our due diligence is done there. So that, that may take us a week or two to, um, to, to sort out and make sure that they're, they're correctly filed. But um, post that, yes, and, and prior to the draft, the, uh, the protected player list will be, will be published. Was. I'm just really liking this whole idea in general, Ben. As you said, it just I, I love the idea that on the whole it is just going to strengthen baseball in this country and hopefully if we get a, uh, a 2020 return to the Olympics, that, that will really strengthen Australian baseball heading forward. You've hit the proverbial nail on the head there and, and something that we're certainly geared towards. Um, you know, in, uh, As we saw, the fantastic win that our national team had over the Arizona Diamondbacks you know, back in March. Um, we've seen the potential of the current Australian team um, we, we want to continue to nurture and grow that um, while, you know, the ABL is not its sort of, you know, the, its sole purpose. Um, it's certainly one of the functions of the ABL is to allow teams to develop a wealth of Australian talent that's going to help the national team in the long run. And, you know, we, we somewhat bated breath. We're awaiting a, uh, an announcement in December that we'll hopefully see baseball back in the 2020 Olympics. And, and you know, of course, our goal is to, um, to have an Australian team that's very strong to, to play in that. Ben, the, the draft order, uh, dominated by Canberra and Adelaide, uh, basically that's uh, based on the strength of the local player pools, yeah? Well, yeah, I mean, there's the, a the range of factors that went into it. Um, but, yeah, predominantly, predominantly looking here about how many, how many you know, players are registered within that, that you know, region or that catchment area. Um, uh, and, then, and then looking at how many of those players, you know, you know, while you might have a lot of players registered, they might not be... They not be registered. There not be a lot of current or former professionals amongst those players, and so um, you know there may be a lot of uh, you know, with all due respect, weekend warriors registered <laughs> around who, who aren't quite up to ABL level. Um, and then and then you know beyond that, we're looking at traditional strengths, positional allowances, um, and of course uh, of course you know then we move into uh, finish finishing positions from last year, and so that draft order will, will of course evolve year on year as, um, as, as strengths and weaknesses and, and the way we've set it up to you know, have, have current teams. So we'll see, you know, depending on the success of the draft this year, um, as teams, be it Canberra, be it Adelaide, be it anybody, adds new players you know, potentially to their, to their rosters, um, that naturally increases their, their local player depth because those players will then become you know, presumably adopted or first-right players for that club moving forward. So um, what we may see is a slight evolution in how the draft works you know, year on year. We fully expect that the, the, the players who are putting their name forward, I would expect the vast majority of which, maybe not all, but the vast majority of which will have some level of maybe independent league experience in the US or, or, or college experience or, or, or Australian national team experience or some kind of, um, you know, some kind of measure by which you know, I don't think there's any rules that you have to have played at a certain level necessarily, but um, I think um, I think the, the, what we're expecting is that those players who enter will um, will have some you know, reasonable level of experience. Hey, quickly, Ben, before you go, the uh, overseas player draft. There was one last year which uh, didn't have a lot of picks made in it, but there was one last year. Is there one of those planned for the ABL again this year? We're keeping that on tabs, basically, um, um, because we wanted to prioritise this, the Australian player draft as our, as our number one priority. Um, and then be, because of, um, I guess, what we had, what we saw last year, 
um, post the uh, uh, post the US player draft, if you like, um, was a, an actual significant increase in the number of MLB clubs assigning players down here. Um, and so, you know, those those assigned players actually operate because of our partnership with Major League Baseball and their, their shareholding in the league. Um, they're given first priority, and, and so. As, as the league is evolving and, and you know, our, our, you know, quite frankly, our reputation is growing amongst um, the major league clubs in the U.S., uh, we do want to leave those those places um, open and available as much as possible to affiliated players to be assigned to uh, to teams. So, um, yeah, clubs, are, ABL clubs, this is, um, are still free to go out and, and, and sign U.S. players as free agents. Um, they can do so, you know, freely and, and, and through their own scouting, as they, as they always have been. Um, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll base our need for a US player draft, if it were. Um, that will be a needs-based assessment that we'll make post the Australian draft and post the assignment of Major League Baseball players. Okay, fair enough. I know there's a plane waiting for you, Ben. We better let you go. <laughs> no problem at all, guys. It was great to chat, and um, we'll speak to you shortly. Strike zone. Chris Coleman and Warwick Petheridge with Strike Zone for this week, and was time to meet another of the changed appointments. In the Australian baseball league, there seems to be a bit of it around at the moment. No, no, there's uh, there's lots of news, Chris, and I'm going to enjoy this one. I have something special planned. <laughs> oh, well, be very afraid. Nathan Davison has a new role, a new title. He is now the CEO of Baseball South Australia and the Adelaide Bite, and he's with us on Strike Zone. Hi, Nathan. G'day, gentlemen. Congratulations. Thanks very much. It's an exciting time, uh, we hope. Now, what's this new role mean in terms of the structure of baseball in South Australia? Because previously, you know, we've known you as, as, the, as the GM of the Adelaide Bite. Well, we do already share the same facility. So uh, it's just bringing together all of the resources available to both organisations, so the ABL and the ABF. So we have an all-of-baseball approach, which is, you know, started from the top down with uh, Brett Pickett and Peter Vermouth, and now it's translated through to its fourth state. So we're the fourth one to jump on board and, and have this happen. On a day-to-day basis, how much difference is it going to make to your job? Certainly, initially, it's going to make a lot of difference. Um, there's actually another vacancy within Baseball South Australia that we're trying to fill at the minute with the Drew Samuelson going home. Um, so, you know, short term, it's just going to be sort of overseeing that, making sure we get all of our uh, our systems and processes in place there. Um, bite functions as is. We've got our staff still there trying to, you know, do the salesy type of thing that they're doing, and I continue on with that and a heavy focus on sponsorship this time of year, of course, and, and membership. So... Pretty much same as, we just want to make sure, and we've made a, a pretty much attempt to make sure that uh, strategy and planning comes into everything that we do. So uh, that, that's now going to cover both organisations. Brings you working more closely with Shane Bennett? Well, Benno actually stepped down as the president about a month ago um, for combination of reasons. So I work as closely as ever with Benno. Yeah, he's still around. It's not like he's not there, but... Uh, the AGM's next month. Uh, no, in two weeks' time, sorry, and we'll have a, a new president appointed then. So. Okay, I wasn't, wasn't aware that uh, Benno had stepped down ahead of the AGM, so there you go. Yeah, he didn't do it with bells and whistles. He just sort of snuck out, and he's done a great job for baseball in South Australia with the funding, and obviously that's going to have quite a bit to do with it as well with Diamond Sports, the entity that's been set up to handle that funding and the new facility as well. And, of course, picked up the uh, uh, award at the Barters, uh, Shane Bennett, uh, for his administration work. So, you know, well done to him. And uh, uh, hopefully things continue to go well for him. No doubt. You know what happens when you nominate yourself? You're always going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Look, uh, no, congratulations, mate. Look, uh, 
we were just talking with Ben Foster earlier about the uh, the draft and, and what that's going to mean for Australian baseball. What is that going to mean for you guys in Adelaide and South Australian baseball? Well, given we've got six out of the first eight picks or something like it, hopefully it means like we're going to be inundated with uh, with a heap of players that might be able to help our team get towards the championship that we've been trying to win for many years. But it's a little bit cliched. We, uh, I think it just spreads the wealth. I mean, we know full well that you know we're still in our infancy and we just want to make sure that those capable of playing at the ABL level, given that some states that have a lot of depth, get given that opportunity, and this is this is the way that the ABL have decided to do it, and I think it's got a lot of merit, and I'm, I'm actually look forward to it. Look, boss, can I call you boss now? Because I, I assume you're going to take me at pick three in this draft. <laughs> I can we throw can a decent change. Right. I I can take it. I can throw a decent change up as long as I only have to throw four to six pitches a week. Four to six. So you're a specialist coming out of the bullpen. That's and and all I've got is a change up. A change up. So. Okay, <laughs> we've got a bit, a bit of work to do yet, mate, but I can see some but that's potential all, there. That's all right, I'm packing my bags, I'll see you in a few weeks. He's, he's, a, speciali- he's a specialist righty throwing to blokes who can't hit anything, pitcher. Yeah, there are not too many of those going around, but uh, maybe down in the beer league somewhere you might be able to do it, I'm not sure about the AVL. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what else is going on there at the point? I mean, you gave us the, the scoop a couple of weeks back that uh, you'd... Uh, uh, managed to re-sign Brooke Knight uh, there. So what else is going on in Adelaide that you want to share with the rest of the country at the moment, Nathan? Mate, very exciting. We're, we're, I'm, I'm half an hour away from meeting with our team leaders. So Darren Fidge, who's back on board and have been around forever. And, and Chris Adamson, who was our MVP a couple of years ago, has decided to, you know, catching's not his thing anymore with some injuries. Still wants to stay on our roster and he's going to turn into our uh, assistant coach, one of our assistant coaches. And I think one of the things we identified, not only the need on field to have better players and more depth is also with our coaching staff so that we can't have an Australian manager. So Chris has put his hand up to say that that's something he may want to do in the future. And for me, that's exciting that he's recognised that as a 26-year-old man who's been in college and played at a really decent level and, and it's exactly what the ABL hopes in. I think in five years with the crystal ball, we'll have a half a dozen people like that around the country being able to do the same sort of thing. Well, terrific stuff. And uh, Nathan, great to see that uh, your hard work, and I know you've done uh, some pretty hard yards there at the Adelaide Bite too. Great to see it being rewarded with uh, this new expanded or dual role as the CEO of Baseball SA and uh, uh, Adelaide Bite. And great to see that integration too. It really is starting to come along uh, right throughout Australia and, and can only be good for the game down the track. Thanks, guys. It's definitely progress, and we should all be pleased with where the sport is that we love, and, and it's going in the right direction. So thanks for your time. Good stuff. We'll speak again soon. Okay, see you guys. Nathan Davison is the CEO now of Baseball South Australia and the Adelaide Bite. Joining us here on Strike Zone. Strike Zone with Chris Coleman. Warwick Petheridge about to disappear to finish off preparing some of the stuff that we might have missed from the world of baseball. That was what's coming up. Chris, uh, Twitter and when your wife makes fun of you. That's all I can say. Okay, more in a couple of minutes. Well, even though cold and wintry weather has been rolling across much of Australia this year, there are plenty of people who are still thinking ahead to the forthcoming Australian Baseball League season, which we hope will be played under much warmer conditions with beautiful sunny skies. And if that's enough to give you just that little bit of warmth that you need at the moment, here's a little bit more for Melbourne Aces fans. Meet your new manager, Tommy Thompson. Welcome to Strike Zone. Well, good to be here and... uh... Good to be named the manager of the Melbourne Aces. I'm very excited about the opportunity, Chris. Let's get to know you a little bit. Tell us uh, the the brief Tommy Thompson story. Well, I'm uh, fortunate to be in baseball all my life. Um, Got a chance to play college baseball at the University of Oklahoma. Um, Had a little success there. Got a chance to play 
with the Atlanta Braves organization for six years as a catcher, third baseman, first baseman, and played up to AAA baseball, signed as a free agent with the Chicago White Sox, played about three years in AAA there, and became a player coach in AAA, and I've been coaching ever since in a couple capacities, Chris, as a uh, minor league manager. I've scouted, and I've also been what they call a catching instructor uh, with the White Sox, specifically working with the catchers for about 12 years. So um, had a short stint with the Baltimore Orioles minor league situation, back with the White Sox. Um, very happy and blessed to be with the White Sox for as many years as I've been, and uh, just fortunate to be in the game of baseball and uh, just I, I look forward to an opportunity to come over to uh, Australia and manage. I'm excited. Now, you're currently with the Winston-Salem Dash, and there may be some people thinking, gee, where have I heard that name before? Of course, they rate a very brief mention in the movie Bull Durham. Right. Well, you know, I actually played with the Durham Bulls, um, and uh, a lot of the, the movie, uh, the ball field, the uh, bus, the bus driver... A lot of those situations I can remember quite vividly. So, um, but uh, yeah, that's in the same league that they used to be in. Now Durham's in AAA with the uh, Devil Rays, but uh, we uh, we have a nice team going right now in Winston Salem in the Carolina League. There'll be a lot of people excited in uh, in Melbourne. Uh, and they hear you were uh, responsible for, I think it was an eighty-seven fifty-one record as manager with the Dash a couple of years ago. Yes, we had quite a team and quite a year. Uh, we fell one game short in the finals. We ended up winning about 91 games. Uh, it was a tremendous season. Uh, just wanted to be, you know, we had a lot of good players. A lot of them are in AAA, AA, the major leagues now. But it was an exciting year here, and uh, you don't get those type of seasons too often. So it was one we definitely remember. Melbourne's been a bit up and down in the Australian Baseball League over the past couple of seasons. How do you bring that winning culture to this side of the world? Well, you know what? One, I'm excited to go over there. I'm not real uh, familiar with everything. Uh, Windsor Knox is helping me out, get familiar. Um, uh, Mick's helping me out, Worm. And and, uh, I I know I haven't met everybody yet, but I think Damon uh, Shanahan's going to be a part of it. Uh, we're all going to work as a unit to try to bring in uh, the best players possible. I know the White Sox and myself are going to bring over some players. I'm looking into some players here myself, but I know that uh, the previous manager, I hear nothing but great things about Phil Dell and what he did there, what kind of a person he is on and off the field, the scout with the Braves. I'm interested in bringing some of the Braves guys over here and, uh, you know, the local talent, I hear names like Lewis Thorpe and Daryl George and Justin Huber and some future guys like Brad Harmon, so John Hussey, um, Sam Gibbons. Those are just some names that I know that Windsor Knox has thrown at me and some of these guys. And uh, um, I know they bring over some Japanese players, but I'm willing to kind of work and mix and teach and coach and try to find the best group possible and uh, 
hopefully not just have a winning season, but put us in a championship-type year. And finally, uh, Tommy Thompson, what do you know about Australian baseball? What else can you tell us about Australian baseball ahead of your, your trip down under in a couple of months' time? Well, you know what? I, I just happened to manage against uh, the third baseman last year for the Aces, Jared, uh, um, gosh, now I can't think of his name, uh, with the Royals, Schubler. I think that's how you pronounce his name, and he's a very good player over here. Has a chance to possibly play in the big leagues, and I tell you what, I was in his ear every inning. I probably drove him crazy asking <laughs> about Windsor, asking about the aces, asking about the field, asking him about the travel, how good the league was. He said nothing but positive things about everything. Uh, said it was a competitive league. He got better. I asked him if he would come back, if he thought it would help him. He said yes. Um, I've heard people say it's like a high A, a double A league uh, with uh, pieces of a pie for triple A. So that tells me it's very competitive. I know Major League Baseball and Australia Baseball want to get it as good as possible. Um, I've been asked to come over there, teach and coach and try to help do fundamentals and things, which I love to do and I'm excited about. So um, it just it looks like a great opportunity to come over there, learn a little more about Australia. My wife is real excited about seeing the country. So am I. But I'm also, my first love is baseball and to teach uh, baseball to the youth and hopefully win some games while we're there. Well, Tommy Thompson, look forward to talking to you a bit more in depth later on in the year when you are in Australia. Best of luck for the rest of the season in the Carolina League with the Winston-Salem Dash. And congratulations once again on your appointment as the new manager of the Melbourne Aces. Chris, thank you very much and look forward to seeing you in person and hopefully bringing you some good weather over there for baseball. (laughs) We need it. It's starting to get a bit cold here. Thanks, Tommy. All right. Thank you very much. That's Tommy Thompson. He's the new manager of the Melbourne Aces. ABC Grandstand's baseball show, Strike Zone, with Chris Coleman. And he's back, Warwick Petherbridge, with some of the stuff you might have missed from the world of baseball. Well, of course, you can't miss him on Twitter. He's, he is at It's Was Time with a W-O-Z in the middle. Hello again, Was. Hello, Chris. Moneyball be gone. Look, Billy Bean. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just say that he's not going to die wondering this season. Uh, the big trade. The big trade last week with the Oakland A's acquiring... I swear I'm going to get this guy's names right. Jeff Samajiza and Jason Hamill from the Chicago Cubs. Two of their starting rotation are now at the Oakland A's, who have the best record in baseball as it is. Do you think Billy Bean has finally said, enough's enough, I want the World Series? I think so, but uh, they gave up a very top prospect uh, in the minor leagues and a couple of other players and a player to be named later to get them. But uh, the A's... They've got the they've got now probably one of the most the best starting rotations in baseball. But as well, what you don't normally associate with the A's is, is offense. They lead baseball with over 430 runs scored this season. So they've got the offense. Obviously, he thinks he just needs the pitching to put it all together. Okay, and as you said, they have the best record in baseball at the moment, and going into the All Star break, are looking very very strong. I know. Well, and but I mean, at the same time, Billy Bean will if this doesn't work. Uh, Samajaza. Let's just. I'm, I swear, I'm going to learn it. Go for it. But uh, I like the sign because people were trying to spell his name and then just wrote <laughs> Shark down the bottom. There's like six attempts, so I'm just going to call him Shark. Just, just go with Shark. Yeah, that'll just, work. Just okay. Shark. Yep.
But he'll be, he's got about a year and a half before he hits free agency. And so if it's not working, Billy Bean will trade him to like to get back some of the pieces that, uh, that he sacrificed. You know what I have been kind of tickled by uh, with Oakland's success this year? What's that? And that is the fact that any other year, the Los Angeles Angels going with a, a win-loss percentage uh, in excess of 58 would be one of the stories in baseball. Um, but here they are, sitting second in the American League West. OK, they're going to make it into the wildcard playoff if things continue the way they are, but nobody's paying any attention to them whatsoever. I kind of find that funny. I, I just, I always find it funny with the A's. I mean, seriously, Cleveland, get on this. Get someone <laughs> from this organisation in to show you how it's done. Was needs a World Series. <laughs> Uh, well, at least, uh, hey, at least you, you know you're still a chance of going 500 for the year. Was oh look, 500, fantastic, <laughs> whoop de doo. Chris, if if my whole life is going to be Roberto Alomar letting go of a ball in Game Seven of the World Series in the twelfth inning in Florida, I just I, I can't live with that, Chris. I can't live with that. Let's look at something that by next week's show will be well and truly done and dusted. The All-Star Week. Uh, speaking of embarrassing All-Star picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'll just play. But look, uh, the rosters were released this weekend. Obviously, uh, headlining uh, Derek Jeter. There's been a lot of controversy. Is this, is it, you know, should the people still be allowed to vote? Because Jeter, yes, it is his farewell tour. But is he an All-Star this year? My... Performance-wise, I don't think so. But No. No, no. Like, but uh, some of the picks, Oakland uh, led the league, obviously, with their with their Beth being the best team in baseball. Uh, Milwaukee with the most picks for the National League. So it's good to see uh, different clubs with uh, with high up picks. The Red Sox have nobody in the starting lineup. Surprising, considering they were the uh, 2013 World Series champions, but are going horrible. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no. Look, Chris, the All Star Game. Yes. Did, what are your thoughts on it? Do you like it? Do you I, not like it? I think the All Star Game is good, but I think perhaps, and I said, I think I said this last year was, I think perhaps they've gone too far with the fan involvement, the fan selections, you know, the last spot on the roster, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, like this uh, final vote. I think the, the four of us, uh, Craig and, and Francis, up in Sydney at, at the uh, opening series, we were talking about this. The only thing, real thing I like about the All Star Game is that the winning team gets home field advantage for the World Series. So at least there's something on the line. Okay. You know, like, yeah. well, in, in any other major sport, there's nothing on the line in these All-Star games. There's actually something to play for. Yeah, and I, I think, it, you know, it, it serves a purpose in there. And I think it is also, you know, it is one of the long-standing traditions in baseball that you do get to see some of the stars of the game in, in a slightly less pressure situation uh, and you do get to see the dream matchups and the dream combinations that you, sometimes you otherwise wouldn't see, uh, p- perhaps ever, in the course of a player's career. So, you know, you do get to see some good stuff. But I, I just think that they've given too much... <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. They've given too much to the fans. <laughs> no, I know. You know what I mean. Here's a hammer. Now swing it wildly. Yeah. <laughs> hammer sandwich. You, uh, know, you create a monster yeah. and then wonder why it's a monster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But okay. look, Chris, it's, it's odd... It's glorious. It's all-star food. <laughs> yes. Okay. How can you make a corn dog taste any better than it already does? I don't know, Was How can you make a corn dog taste any better than it already does? Stick a lobster inside it. Oh, uh, really? Yes. Oh, this yum. Lobster corn dog. Then you've now got... This talking. is some of the food at the all-star game. Mm-hmm. The double play, which is you can have... It's a, it's a Polish sausage slash bratwurst massive hot dog with two lots of salads on either end. 
the double plate, <laughs> the hangover burger, which just literally looks like cardiac arrest in a bun. Of course, when you're going to the All-Star game, you're going to go with a hangover. Hang on, no, someone's got that wrong. No, no, but see, how? hang on, we're getting to that, friend. The brat dog, mm-hmm. which is a hot dog wedged inside a bratwurst, wrapped in bacon, and then squeezed in a pretzel roll. Oh, and, but, and does it come with a complimentary defibrillator? Well, I was going to say, though, no, but there are self-serve beer machines. Self-serve? Welcome to the new age, friend. Now you're talking. I know. I'm just picturing Barney Gumble from The Simpsons. Just goes there, lies back, puts his mouth under and just keeps hitting the button. Exactly. But uh, look, in more talk about the All-Star, look, you've got to love people who campaign to put themselves in the home run derby. <laughs> Especially when it is Giants starting pitcher Madison Bumgarner. Now, We've been here before. No, Verlander was last year. Yeah, that's what Bumgarner, I mean. We've been here before. Pitchers campaigning to get themselves in the home run derby. But the Mad Bum... Mm-hmm. He does have a genuine point. He hit a grand slam in April. Oh, good for him. So, he, he and apparently he, like, there's video of him launching long balls in batting practice. So, we know he didn't make the cut, but, you know, good on him for trying. But as I alluded to earlier, Chris. Yes. Twitter. Mm. <laughs> Brandon McCarthy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, traded from the Diamondbacks uh, this past week to the New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. And you think that would be great. Until your wife puts on Twitter, ha ha. At B McCarthy 32, you have to shave that nasty thing growing on your face. I win. <laughs> because of the Yankees and their no beard policy. <laughs> ah, that's too funny. <laughs> Look, it is good. It is very good. Let's do our weekly stats wrap. All right. Uh, Latroy Hawkins, the Hawkeye. Uh, two innings pitched, one run, one earned run. So an ERA of July for 4.5. The, the Rice Report, Scott Rice, still on the seven-day DL with that elbow injury. I'll keep on that one. And that's the lot. That's the lot. Was you have a wonderful week. Thank you, Chris. Warwick Petherbridge. You can find him on Twitter at It's Was Time with a W-O-Z in the middle. You can find me on Twitter at CJCAU. You can use the hashtag ABC Strike to get in touch with us here at Strike Zone. We'll be back again next week.